all this morning. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be in your word. Speak up, Father, here of your provision for us in Christ. Your desire, your passion for us. Father, I pray that this morning we would have ears to hear. Father, hearts to, to follow you, to serve you. Father, thank you for each person here. Father, give us opportunity to love you and proclaim your excellence, to enjoy your provision, to be satisfied. So let's let's read back through. We're gonna our text really is going to be um, verses 19 through 27, but I do want to go back and, and I want to read all of verse 1 through 27, and then kind of go back uh, because it's this is kind of a continuation. Go back through some of what we walked in last week. James 1, 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God to give generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation, and let the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuit. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be, temp cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of life, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Know this. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So last week, we considered, from the get-go, perspective, posture, movement of servants, right? That James, in, in, in writing this letter, introduces himself as a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, just want to walk back through some of the things. Uh, using this perspective, this posture, this movement of the servant, servant to kind of get us situated in the text again, okay? Christ's teaching on a servant, his testimony that we read last week, 
and I'm I'm not going to go back through all the verses. Um, I thought about stepping through and giving you all those that my heart is that you're going to go search this out. Uh, the message in, 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 in taking a step back from this is we all need to be in the Word. So here we go. Christ's, Christ's teaching was what? His testimony was what? I only say and speak what the Father has told me to say. I do nothing, I say nothing, except what the Father has taught me. The servant is moving as his master has spoken and given him instruction. As an illustration of a servant, Christ offered this example. The servant who was set in place in the household to provide the food. Right? And what do we, and what do we read about that? Okay, first he was set in place by his master, right? The work given him came from his master. And he was moving in what his master instructed him to do. And when the master returned, he's still doing it. So whether the master was there, and while he was away, he continued. We see the picture of perseverance there. And then Jesus' example, his own example of moving as a servant. What do we see him doing in the Word? His moving. He was from God, going back to God, but he washed his disciples' feet. Lowliness, humility. Another example, he took on the form of a servant. Didn't grasp, didn't grasp for equality with God. He didn't have to be in control of his situation. He took on flesh, became a man, and was obedient. Obedient even unto death. God's purpose for him, his fault. We contrasted that with an example of serving self. And we looked at Christ and his disciples. Christ is walking with him. He's talking about his death and being raised to life. The very gospel we were to preach. And they didn't have understanding. When Jesus asked them what they were what they were doing as they were walking, he was speaking of these things, what were they doing? They were talking about who was the greatest among them. You know, they were in this comparison and competition of who's the greatest of us. Then we looked at being a servant, servant of God in relation to our trial. This is verses two through four. What is the perspective? If we're moving as a servant, what is our perspective of our trial? A servant of the Lord knows that as this servant of the Lord, he is to expect what? Testing. Your faith will be tested. The trial spoken of in the text is a test to our faith. Okay? And for a servant of God, sovereign God, we see him as sovereign. We need to understand that our circumstances have been allowed us. And that we can even find joy in having the opportunity to have our faith tested. In that, we're proven to be a servant and obedient. A servant of self might question his circumstances. He might want to have control. He might want to save his life. And fear of death may come back into you. We move in self-sufficiency, what we can see, what we can understand. And we lose sight of what God tells us. We right and wrong. We walk in our own truth as opposed to God's truth. And we can become satisfied with our own provision. And our posture may be, this leads to good things happening to people. As long as good things are happening in our life, we're doing good. When we have that posture and we run into a trial, we saw that it was unexpected. It's typically a disruption. In regard to wisdom, who is our provision, our perspective and posture and movement in that. Our perspective as a servant of God and moving according to his instruction is that he is our resource. In the word, in verses 5 through 8, what we see is it's free for the asking, without reproach. Jesus, by his blood, has provided us access to God. We simply God said he 
breathing is. So what is our posture? An attitude. When we think of prayer, we think immediately of bowing. The posture of bowing. Is it just the position of our body? Bowing in humility to what God says. So the posture of one who sees God as a provision is in prayer also in his word. If this is the word of truth, wisdom, there's a pursuit of truth, we're in the word. And also, remember, posture speaks to our position and our bearing. How are we situated? Stayed on him. Stayed on him. So, our movement from that is to be according to his word. It's all about putting the word into practice. We can discern what's good and what's evil. What are some of we, we discussed some of the dispensers of wisdom? Could be our own thoughts. Could be books, teachers, preachers, elders, deacons, small group leaders. All those potential dispensers of wisdom. But if we don't know God's word, we have no ability to test that. We don't know if it's true or not. That's why I'm here. When we preach, we preach from the Word. We hug the text. There's a, there's a reason for that. To get up here for me to speak in my own understanding, it ought to scare me to death. What you should be listening for and looking for is in the text. Okay? We can test what is true. When we ask, we're to ask in faith. And that's a faith that believes this is the Word of God. God is who He says He is. I am who He says I am. And I need to move as He says I need to move. So we come, we fall in the Word with a true heart. This is a heart that's been sprinkled clean by Christ. One of Christ, remember access to Christ. So we come with a true heart in single-mindedness. Stayed on Christ perspective of the servant all in our posture is before God if we think from this very text if we think we can be double minded we can have a foot in in the world and try to walk in this as well we're double minded and the word says we shouldn't expect any wisdom from God in that in regard to our social standing, rich, poor, humbled, lowly, helpless, or possessing many things, where is our treasure to be? Our treasure to be in heaven. Our perspective should be one that looks at eternity. The text says, a man rich in the world, but fade away. Those who love God eternally, what do we have? Life. Crown of life. So our posture then that is be on guard against coach. Satisfied in Christ. Content. God is my provision. And he's able. The work of God, what do you see in the, in, in the word? Believing. Our movement. It speaks to pursuit. It's when we talk about the, the rich man fading away, the text says he, he fades in his pursuit. So our movement, we're in pursuit of the things of God. We are to be laying up treasures in heaven. We're to be laboring for food that endures, that Christ gives us. So our encouragement is to follow Christ. He is the one who gives us food that endures. Serve God. He is our provision for wisdom. In regard to life and death, in verses 12 through 18, also truth and deception. I'm lumping it here so we can just step through it. But God brought us forth, that He brought us forth by His word of truth. Faith says that God is able to hold you. He's 
brought me forth, he can hold me. Christ is sufficient for life. This has to overcome what we say sometimes. This is just who I am. This is getting personal because these are things I've been dealing with myself. <laughs> this is just who I am. This denies God's provision in Christ. It, de it denies the new nature. Doubt and anxiousness as we go comes from wanting our sin. We're confronted with sin. We kind of, we kind of want it, but we also need to recognize the child of God. We find ourselves in this place of a perspective of, I'm, I'm only human. I'm going to sin. God knows that. He'll forgive me. Are we in the flesh? Will we sin? But if our perspective stays there, we're entertaining sin. Our bearing is disobedience. Because God is just understanding. Okay. We have to understand in our trials that we're, we're, we're given this opportunity for obedience. And what does that what does that say to us? We're going to address this later in the text. But he provides this opportunity for, for obedience, not because he wants to see that we're his, that we need to prove it to him that we're his. I think he knows. He's all-knowing. I think he knows. Who's being given the opportunity to prove? To prove himself. It shows us who we are. And it gives us this opportunity to walk in this obedience. That's a change of perspective for me. In a lot of regards, a change of perspective. My daughter sent me a song. I barely got past the first three words. Bless the Lord. I didn't say, Lord, bless me. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. That's a perspective change. God, I'm doing all this for you. Bless me. No, bless the Lord on my soul. May I walk in obedience and I know this blesses me. So, in obedience, that's where our assurance comes from. We can know we are good. We know whom or show us whom or what we're serving. The servant enjoys the opportunity. The sinner kind of despises it. Perspective, I am where I am by God's design and good pleasure for His purpose. Every good and perfect gift is from God. We have been brought forth by God as first fruits. What were the first fruits? They were offered up to who? It's really this cool picture to me of God bringing forth first fruits for Himself. These are for me. So the commentator could describe this this way. Especially his notably holy. You know, just set apart for God's use. Oh, that my soul would desire have passion to be that. It's our posture. In regard to life, eternal life, we rest in the finishing of Christ. We're believing, trusting, and abiding. We've been set in place by our Lord and He's able to hold us. Gratitude and thankfulness is where we start from. It's not something we're working for. God, if you do this for me, I'll be thankful. I'll show you my gratitude. We start from there. We proclaim His provision, His power, His faithfulness, His love. And then what? We do it again tomorrow. We do it again tomorrow. We do it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. It produces steadfastness. Verse 
verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. The first two words is know this right here. And the oldest manuscript can be translated as, you know it. You know this. But, I'm going to say it again. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. There's movement here. We're seeing movement. What is perspective and posture in place? And this helps me. We're using this perspective, posture, and movement. It's just kind of, how does this apply to me? It's been good for me. So, operate it. Perspective, posture. Quick to hear. The quick to hear is, is listening. It is listening. Being in a place where ears open, mouth shut. But to hear also is understand. Be quick to hear it, to listen and hear it, and quick to understand. Now I think that's where the text here is going to hear it, to hear it and to understand it, you need to move in it. So, our perspective and posture, we're ready to listen, we're attentive, we talked about that, and we're prompt in gaining understanding. How many times? I don't know. Have y'all prayed this prayer? God, show me your will. Help me, Lord. I don't know what to do. We never go to the Word. This is good to know His will. This is our instruction. In regard to slow to speak, what's our temptation? Guilty. This one nailed me. I'm quick to speak. What do we what do we tend to do when we're quick to speak? What's our temptation? Especially if we don't take time to consider. Especially if we haven't been here at all. We're speaking in our own understanding, our own wisdom. Self is seated in possession. We're speaking from the perspective of what the third means. The slowness we consider. We consider the Word of God. We consider the one who's speaking. If we're slow to speak, we're listening better. See, sometimes our passions and our desires, they look sound really good. I'm good at making my passion sound good. But listen, in regard to truth, we're going to be judged. Later in James, chapter chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. By virtue of a lot of our roles, we have the opportunity to be a teacher. When we speak as a teacher, and I've thought about this, and I haven't really studied this in depth to know exactly this role as teacher, but it seems to me, man, if you've taken a wife and you're to wash her in the Word, it sounds like a teaching role. If you have children, dad, you're going to bring them up in the instruction of the word. Sounds like a teaching role. Maybe be careful. Be careful what we say, where we move from, what we're instructing in. In regard to slow to anger, this can speak generally to anger and speak to our movement. What do we do in our anger? Anger in and of itself is not wrong. 
speaks to being careful and cautious. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So there's an expectation that we as members, as a body, one another, we're going to speak the truth. It's amazing what comes right behind that. Be angry and do not sin. So there's potential, and we all know it, don't we? We have those conversations. We have to, as the church, be able to confront a brother in sin. How do we handle that? We as elders, we dealt with it with ourselves, we dealt with it with other people, and it's a very hard thing. We have a two-day rule. We talked about we typically in in confronting sin. And we're going to talk in a minute about how how we do that rightly. But we do that. It's, there's there's such a potential for anger. This says, be angry and do not sin. The problem is when we sin in our anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and you have no opportunity to do that. Being slow to speak, slow to anger, helps you be quick to listen. Following that in the text, here is here's the therefore, kind of an application. Put away all filthiness and How do we do this? Well, what follows that? Receive with meekness the implanted word to be able to save your soul. What comes right behind that? Movement. Be a doer of the word. Not hearers only. It has to go from here. And our thought to movement. And how we act. To be only a hearer is to be deceived. To just see it. Do we have faith if we do not move what we say is true? Do we want to hang on to our sin and still be reconciled to God? That's why we get confused. We even doubt. Our doubt comes from, I'm acting like this, and the Lord says, I'm not supposed to be acting like this, and am I even a child of God? That's the result of disobedience. So it's not just the law. Don't do that. It's understanding how we're moving. Obedience is designed to bring us peace and blessing. You see it in the Word. Moving this way, you'll be blessed with God. Our tendency is to look at our own sin, rationalize it, entertain it, and when we do that, we have a really hard time confronting anybody else. And if we do confront it with someone else, it comes out really as judgment. It sounds more like you are rather than you know, someone you're walking with. It's hard to reconcile with the word we're talking about. Quick satellite here. I think I think this is important. It helps us move well. Jesus deals with this kind of judgment as opposed to correction. How we confront others, and, and it it shows us kind of the faulty idea of comparison. The problem is, many of the things we're talking about, we're walking in the same disobedience. Listen, Romans, this is in Romans 2, verse 4, starting in verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant 
believe that you're going to believe. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment reveals that you will. He will render to each one according to his work. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey righteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jews first and also the Greeks. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greeks. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. And even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. While their conscience also bears it, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even accuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secret of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others do not teach yourself. While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who have poor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcised. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision that break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So how are we moving? What is our response to the law? Just the written law. I mean, we have kind of this negative view of it, right? That Jesus says he came to fulfill that law. What's our response to a brother who confronts us? Sounds like it doesn't matter what you call yourself. Rich, poor, wherever you're at. What matters is your heart. Are we led by the Spirit or by the flesh? Is it about our purposes or the purposes of God? We've been given this remedy. First, the life, provision in Christ. Second, the word, the truth. Be a doer of the word. Hebrews 5 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his brethren. What did he revere? God was his provision. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And what he was suffering in his circumstances was his opportunity to be a son obey. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Christ is a model. 
later in verse 12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the four words of God. You need milk, not solid food. You need to be reminded that God is your provision. That Christ is sufficient. His finished work is sufficient. We have to be continually reminded that's where we stay. We don't grow. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What's our provision? What's our provision for wisdom? What tells us what's good and what's evil? Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. What shows us who we are? The truth. Who God is, who we are. Kind of like a mirror. Held up. If we look at it, listen to it, and walk away, do we forget? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what we need to see. We need to see our heart. What is the provision of the word, the word of truth? Our circumstances, those give us great opportunities to see our heart. If we simply hear and never put it into practice, we're going to forget. Listen to Second Peter, chapter one, it's going to be verse three through thirteen. Listen to this for perspective. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Yeah. Supplement your faith. Add to your faith virtue. And virtue with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sin. Gotta be reminded. Need milk Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right. I think it right. As long as I am in this body, stir you up by way of reminder. So we do. We gather. Gospel is proclaimed. Word is proclaimed. We're reminded. Sunday morning, Wednesday night, small group meeting, as you said as a family, you're setting a mirror in place.
2 Peter, chapter 3. That this is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved, in both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. What are we being reminded of? Who we are, who God is. When we lose our proper perspective, when we are positioned towards disobedience, there's no movement in what we hear. Our master becomes self. We're pursuing our passions, our desires. We move in competition, comparison. To the point you even lose sight of the gospel. Our circumstances are a disruption to our pursuits and our passions. We seek our own counsel rather than the counsel of God. We're double-minded in our thoughts and needs. We pursue treasures in this world rather than heaven. We fear death and what we might miss in this life. We're deceived. We're not moving in faith and trust. We're counting on our own sight and our own senses. We're not tuning the word to make us slow to listen and understand to really hear we're quick to speak in our own understanding we sin in our anger we move in judgment comparison we listen to the word of God but we do not hear or understand or move accordingly we might listen might even hear but we don't put it into practice we have a really hard time discerning good and evil and in doubt, maybe in wonder who he belongs to. Verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his day. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion works. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. God's kindness should move us to one. We look into the perfect law. What is the perfect law? This law of liberty. What is liberty? What do you think of liberty? What does that provide? If we're liberated, we have what? Freedom. Perfect law. Christ fulfilled the law. You see Christ? Perfect. It's his fulfillment of the law. His finished work. We have freedom. In our freedom, we have Christ in view. How we move, what we do, is not our means of salvation. We have Christ in the law of liberty. What are we a slave to? We're no longer a slave to sin. What are we a slave to? Galatians 5 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Later in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. First Peter 2.13 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are set free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Free to be a servant of God. 
This is Romans 6, verse 10 through 18. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, that the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, and make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion. Recognize that word? Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. How does it shape our perspective? Sin has no dominion over you. Right. That's our posture. We're ready to serve God. Be an instrument of His righteousness. What does our movement look like? Slaves of righteousness. Verse 26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So in light of being brought forth by the word of truth, in light of a new nature, we examine our perspective, posture, and movement in regard to now what? Our religion. Is that a bad word? I hear people talk about religion as if it's always bad. You hear that? I hate religion. I wonder why religion has a bad name. It's kind of associated with some bad habits. Some really negative things. We are to be salt and light. When we speak, the servants of God, we should follow our example. Speak and say, Father's good. Matthew 12, 31 says, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse episode. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your mouth you will be justified, you will be justified and, by, and by your words you will be condemned. Religion without God in Jesus is Our tongue is to be bridled. What does a bridle do? We stick the bit in the horse's mouth. We've got a bridle attached. How are we going to use that? Direct the horse, right? Our tongues need to be directed by the Word of God. Unchecked by the Word of God, we speak in our own understanding. Can. We don't speak. Second our own understanding and error. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust. 
of the tongue of the wise brings healing. Convicted me, convicted me. Not for us to get controlled. What direction do I really want to go in? Do I want to go in the direction of judgment or healing? Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. If we should speak the word of God, because the word of God is life. And our walk should line up with our talk. It helps us to speak the truth to live it out. We're just hearing it. We're just talking about it. But we're not walking in it. We're probably moving in conjecture. I think this is right. Husband, dad, how can you be accountable to your family's walk if you haven't been the word? How are you going to navigate your family in really difficult things? You have no time for God's word or people. You're really neglecting an instrument of God that brings joy, peace, and understanding. This text is holding up the word of God. For those of us in Christ, God's provision, truth, worthy of our attention. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to be with orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unseen in the world. Psalm 68.5 says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows, God holy habitation is God. John 14, 12, Jesus speaking, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will you do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father that he will give you another something. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. We're partakers of the divine nature. We've been given the spirit of God. God gives us his spirit, his understanding. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Y'all remember that being preached in the book? This body moved in the direction of orphans. Sharing. Sharing what Christ is saying to Who are the fatherless? Why is this religion pure and unfiled? Certainly we have real examples, do we not? We've seen it very close up in this body. Widows and orphans represent the helpless, most practically, that we've seen and physically. Who else might be helpless? How did Christ view us? Dorothy. What was his movement? I am How to minister to those who don't have in a practical sense, unable to help themselves. This is a hard, time-consuming ministry. 
inefficient. If you want to know, ask one of our adopted families. Ask one of our widows about affliction and distress. This ministry will cost you. Self is seated and in session. We got a really difficult time. I think self gets unseated right away. And then, how are we stained by the world? How might we be stained by the world? What comes to mind for me right away is what the text says is our, our, our problem. What tempts us? What tempts us is our passions and our desires. I think we're constantly reminded in this world of what the world thinks our passions and our desires should be. I thought about this. Bear with me. I just thought about this. I thought about adding this. What came to mind? world's going after you, and we see it. We have it in front of us all the time. Thoughts that came to my mind would have it your way. You deserve a break today. Obey your thirst. Consider yourself first. Look out for number one. There's, psycho there's psychology behind this. More she would appreciate this. Went out and looked at this. What do ad agencies, what are they thinking about and what are they moving? They say there's four deficiency needs, primary deficiency needs, that they're going to address. Psychological needs, need for satisfaction of hunger, thirst, and basic bodily function. Safety needs, the need to provide shelter or protection for the body and to maintain a comfortable existence. Love, and belonging needs, the need for affiliation and affection to be accepted. Esteem needs, the need for recognition, status, and prestige, desire for self-respect. Once those are satisfied, they move to the growth needs, cognitive needs, desire for knowledge and understanding, aesthetic needs, the desire for symmetry, order, and beauty. Self-actualization, the need to find self-fulfillment, self-growth, and realize one's potential. Transcendence, the need to help others find self-fulfillment and realize their potential. The need to be needed. How does this play against what you deserve? Luke 9, 22 says, The Son of Man will suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save him. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? John 12, 25 Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor me. And finally, an encouragement. Philippians 2 1. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being in the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death and cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee is bowed, in heaven and on earth, and even under the earth. And of every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as light in the world. Holy fast word. Father, I only hope is your provision in Christ. Father, I pray for eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to follow. Gain understanding, Father, to use this instrument for your righteousness. Father, we long for assurance and peace. Father, I pray that we be before you. In your word, seeking out the wisdom. Father, you said how to do and how to do The truth, the wisdom you need. Father, in response to your kindness, your mercy, your good place, your good and perfect gift. I pray for myself. I thought about Memorial Day weekend. It's good to it's good to have reminders. As we prepare for the supper, I'll, I'll 
shared by the remainder. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And we had given thanks and broke it and said, This is my body. This is for me. Do this and remember for me. In the same way, he took the cup. After supper, said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink and remember for me. As often as you use this bread and drink the cup and proclaim the Lord's death. pray this morning that we as a people that by your grace you'll work in us a redeeming work of religion, this word that as Steve mentioned this morning is so often associated with bad experiences or baggage that we can redeem that the fact that you can redeem that in us and through us, that we can be a people that are in fact slow to speak slow to anger and quick to hear that we can, in fact, be a people who receive with meekness the implanted word. That we can, in fact, be a people that are doers of the word and not just hearers. Or that we can be a people with tongues bridled, who are caring for in meaningful ways the helpless, the orphans, widows, fatherless. And that in all of that, we'll bring you great glory. We know ourselves, we know what we're all prone to, we're all prone to busyness, we're all prone to selfishness, we're all prone to dealing with our own issues first at the expense of others who pray that by your grace and mercy that you'll work pure and undefiled religion in us and through us for your glory. Lord, I pray for these families that are being presented uh, for Natalie and for Jamie. Just thankful for your work in bringing people alongside this body. I, I marvel every time you bring a family to this body because it just seems like we're no frills and um, I'm thankful that that's a characteristic of faith just plain simple pure undefiled authentic genuine daily unimpressive faith and pray that you will keep us that way and all of that for your glory Lord I pray these folks will find connections I pray too for Caleb and Jamie, for real connections that they can know and be known, that others will have them in their home. I'm thankful for Caleb's uh, venture this summer into the lives of our young ones. Pray that you'll use that for your own glory. Pray for Natalie's transition back to school and then possibly to the mission field. Thankful for this investment that we've had in her life that she's had in our lives. Just grateful, Lord, you are always at work. We see your fingerprints all around us together for your son, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.